Hello, I'm Charlotte Watts. Welcome to these podcasts that were first broadcast live in my Facebook group, Charlotte Watts Calm. Hope you enjoy them. And if you want more, please look at my website, charlottewattshealth.com. Welcome to this session on the lowdown on fats. And I'm pleased to do this subject because it's one that's been of quite contradictory messages over the years. There was kind of the low fat industry and health messages out there for a long time, particularly in terms of weight loss. Um, due to the fact that, that fats are denser in calories than carbohydrates. So the kind of quite poor science there is that you have less calories coming in from fats and ergo you lose weight. But this calories in, calories out approach to weight loss isn't how the body works. It doesn't reflect metabolism and actually how we use those calories and, and how the food sources that provide them behave in the gut. And that um, low-fat message came out of kind of American propaganda in the, the 1950s, which is kind of very well known. Some very good articles online about that that I can post if you like. But when I was kind of, I know I, I was at nutrition college nearly 20 years ago, and even then that message, low-fat for health message, was never touted as something that was of health benefit within nutrition. Uh, we would talk about the value and the quality of fats, the important part they play in a human health and human optimal function, but never that to take them out of the diet was in any way a good thing. And sadly, what has kind of followed from that low fat message is that many women who were on low fat diets often will struggle through the menopause or tend to have symptoms that are related to low fats in the diet might be low levels of kind of omega-3s and the skin issues the atopic and inflammatory conditions that can come from that and one of the big big problems with not having enough fat in the diet is that fats are very satisfying to our appetite so unlike carbohydrates, and when I say carbohydrates, I mean the whole of the plant kingdom. And, and let's be clear here, all of which include fats, proteins, uh, carbohydrates in some level, the macronutrients, the bigger ones we need, but it's just in differing ratios. So, But plants are generally carbohydrate-based, mostly carbohydrates. So that's not just the starches that we might think of, sometimes get called carbohydrates, but everything, vegetables, nuts, seeds, fruit, all carbohydrates. So when we have a diet that is uh, mostly plant-based with very little fats, yes, we get full. So we feel full from the belly expanding from being bulked out. But actually, we can feel more hungry later after. It tends to predicate a more grazing type of pattern which tends to overload the belly if we're just grazing all the time and never giving the digestive system a rest then it never gets a chance to heal or for gut motility to get worked when the uh, gut is empty so including fats in a diet and same with proteins when they reach the stomach they 
produce types of neuropeptides, so amino acid chemicals that go back to the brain to tell us we're full. And we don't get that from carbohydrate foods. So fats and proteins have this ultimate type of satisfaction from chemicals like CCK, which registers back satiety. So we get a much more sense of, "Mm, yes, satisfaction from something that is fat-based or protein-based. And that's often one of the reasons that people tend towards junk fats, fatty foods, for instance, when they're not getting enough food, they're not getting enough fats in the diet, you just want that kind of quick fix. And particularly those ones tend to come with that often that combination of fat and starch, which is particularly uh, unhealthy um, and things like, you know, cakes and pastries and crisps. But it really, you know, it, the acrylamides in that uh, and other chemicals really give us a satisfactory, you know, beta endorphin kick from having those things. And we know that when people are stressed, they tend towards those foods more. So it's a much better idea in terms of satisfying appetite, handling stress, and not having that knee-jerk reaction to less healthy fats, to have really decent quality sources of fat in our diet. And if we don't have enough, we will also tend to crave more sugar. We need fat. It's highly, highly important our brain is about 65, 60% fat. Yeah, we are waterproofed on the outside by fat. Our organs are made of fat, um, cell membranes. So it's something that we incorporate in all the time and we're constantly repairing and renewing along with our kind of protein structures. So we need it, but we need these as well as things like you know, steroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, which is why I mentioned about menopause needing fats present. Um, All of our steroid hormones need fats to be produced. And we can convert fats, we can make fats in the body, like all the macronutrients, they are basically carbon, hydrogen and oxygen. So we can break those down and make them up into different forms again. But we will, if we don't have enough fats coming in, then we can crave sugar in order to do that. So we're pretty good at converting sugar into fat in the liver. And it's why if you often don't have enough fats in the winter, so vegetarians and vegans just need to be aware that winter is a time when things are colder. Our body is expecting to have to make more heat, to be more insulatory, to have more thermogenesis. So it will want more fats and proteins. And it is part of our ancestral history to be having more fat. I mean, you know, it might not be what you like, but you know, ancient cultures would have been having, you know, goose fat, lard, that kind of thing during the winter months, particularly in the northern hemisphere, and that's part of our our dietary history and keeping ourselves warm. So, you know, you might that not be it might not be anywhere near the way that you like to eat or want to eat now. But we need to just be keeping an eye on what it is that we need during those different seasons. So winter in particular, if we don't have enough fats, um, you can see that uh, often vegetarians will be craving cheese and chocolate come the winter months because they're great sources of fat. And so they can take on quite a, a kind of thrall, a pull just to get that level in. So in terms of you know, the different types of fats, Fats are easily kind of broken down into the way that they present and the way that they behave at room temperature. So saturated fats are the ones that have been very vilified, very uh, deemed unhealthy, which is not true. Saturated fat, like anything, 
in excess and not balanced with the things that needs to be balanced in the body, yes, can be harmful. And like I said, when it comes along with sugar or when those fats are damaged, then yes, they're unhealthy. But we need saturated fat as much as we need other types of fat. And we need those to incorporate to cell membranes, for our nervous system to be able to communicate um, and really vital in that respect. And saturated fats are the ones that are solid at room temperature. So they're saturated because they're, all their carbon molecules are saturated and therefore they are very stable in heat and light. So this is why it is uh, safer to fry, to do any cooking in saturated fats like butter, ghee, coconut oil, because they're pretty resistant to heat and light, to oxidation, to damage by heat and light. So when we heat fats, if they're not saturated, then they run the risk of having free radical production, of being harmful to cells and mutating cells and, and DNA expression. Now, monounsaturates are the one further down. So they are, depending on how much monounsaturate is present, they can be kind of liquid at room temperature or have sediment or be kind of somewhere in between solid and liquid. So the most obvious one there is olive oil. So the more monounsaturates olive oil has in it, the more you see sediment. And you might see that your olive oil becomes cold overnight in winter when it, it drops below room temperature. And monounsaturates have got a good body of research behind them. They're part of the Mediterranean diet, which is the traditional diet of Crete, um, as supporting heart function, as supporting a good heart disease prevention risk. And they're found in things like olive oil, avocados, uh, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, um, and a lot of them through a different types of nuts and they also have that really good satisfying quality. Adding olive oil to vegetables, to dressings is a really good way of getting it in. And olive oil also has an anti-inflammatory compound in it called oleocanthal. So that has shown to have as potent an anti-inflammatory action as ibuprofen. And it's believed to be part of the reason that the Mediterranean diet you know, is, is the least aging or one of the least aging diets. So underneath the monounsaturates, we have the polyunsaturates, so completely unsaturated, which means they always stay liquid. They don't harden. And those are the ones that are often deemed the essential oils. And essential in terms of nutrition means that we have to get these things in our diet from food. We cannot make them in the body, but we need them to function. They're essential for function, but we need to get them from external sources. We need to get them through diet. So those are omega-3 and omega-6 oils. Now, issues with these come up because diets within industrialized society, that is since the industrial revolution, where things are much more highly processed and, and particularly including oils, the modern diet since that industrialization has been much higher in omega-6s than omega-3s because we people are eating a lot of refined nut oils and seed oils and nuts and seeds where most of these are found and less levels of omega-3s that work that balance out the omega-6s naturally coming through the diet. 
And a lot of that is because um, a lot of the meat people eat is no longer grass-fed, it's grain-fed. So it doesn't get something called CLA in it, conjugated linoleic acid, that means things like that meat has a lot less omega-3s in it. So the Mediterranean diet had very high levels of omega-3s in it because it would include not that much meat, but some meat. And all of the meat that was in it was very high in omega-3s. And the eggs produced that people would eat from chickens were very high in omega-3s. Because the chickens are scratching in the ground, they eat lots of you know insects and cells. Everything was coming kind of down through the food chain. So it's very known that the omega-3 levels were higher. And it's one of the things that is attributed to raised levels of mental health issues throughout society. Now, when we have a vegetarian diet, the omega-6s also tends to be higher than omega-3 oils. And partly because all omega-3 oils that are in a vegetarian diet need converting from that source down to DHA and EPA, which are the direct forms of omega-3 that we need to utilize in cells. Now, DHA and EPA are found directly in fish and some seafood and meats. So they tend to be in animal sources, which is a, you know, is a problem for vegetarians and vegans. Although now, and this has only been really, really in recent years, which is really great, you can get that in algae form. So you can get an algae DHA form in supplements, which I very, very often recommend um, vegetarians who don't eat eggs have. And vegans, particularly um, vegans, tend to struggle with stress or inflammatory issues. So it's a very helpful thing that supplement industry has kind of caught on to recently. So a vegetarian diet tends to be or the omega-3 oil sources that are within plants need converting quite a few times to get down to EPA and DHA. That conversion tends to be hindered if there's much higher levels of omega-6 in the diet and also hindered with stress and hindered if there is we don't have enough B vitamins, zinc, magnesium, vitamin C in the diet. And um, zinc in particular can also be rather low in a vegetarian diet because it doesn't have those same sources of omega-3s. So particularly uh, vegans without eggs as another source of rich, rich source of zinc need to have a lot of nuts and seeds and the other healthy forms of fat like avocados, yes, but seeds and nuts tend to be much higher in zinc. And it might be that if you see immune issues, you're a vegan or vegetarian and you're quite stressed as well. And if you see immune issues you can't get over, it might be you know worth considering a zinc supplement alongside that algae DHA. As the modern diet generally just tends to be higher in omega-3s than uh, sorry, omega-6s than omega-3s. And particularly for me, I tend to work with people who have adrenal fatigue, burnout, might have mental health issues associated around that, even kind of low-grade anxiety or you know, anything in that spectrum, then I will often recommend an omega-3 oil. And that might be a very good quality, sustainable fish oil, and it might be a krill oil. Krill differs from fish oils because krill is uh, omega-3 oils in their 
rather than the triglyceride fat form that you have in fish oils, is the phospholipid form in krill. And phospholipids are a component of cell membranes that we can very quickly um, build back into cell membranes much more easily than triglycerides. So krill is known to be very good for the blood-brain barrier and particularly protective for the brain during stress. And those who do eat fish, um, the omega-3 oils in fish will be in oily fish. So it's the often larger fish, such as kind of, well, I said tuna, but tuna I tend to uh, recommend avoiding because it's so high in mercury. But any of the fish who have teeth and live in cold waters tend to have levels of higher levels of omega-3s because they're insulating. And the larger fish tend to have more because they're higher up the food chain and they also eat the little fish. But the bigger ones, like tuna and swordfish, are the ones that tend to accumulate mercury. They live longer and they accumulate more mercury in their tissues, from which is attracted to the fat, over a lifetime from the water system. So it's one of the reasons you can't buy things swordfish in certain supermarkets anymore, which is a very good thing, and tuna not a particularly good idea because mercury is, is uh, so neurotoxic. So um, fish to recommend there, uh, mackerel, salmon, trout, little ones, um, herrings, and buying those as sustainably as possible. And also if you're buying smoked versions of those fish, make sure they are properly smoked. It's really worth uh, paying money for a, a decent source to not have chemically smoked fish. And it's much better to have those that are not in tins because those tend to, like I said about um, fats attracting toxic metals, they can pull toxic metals out of the tins themselves. So that's a bit of an overview on fats. It's quite a large subject, but the point here is enjoy them. Uh, the more you have in healthy forms, the less you find yourself craving them in less healthy forms and the less you'll find, be, find that you'll be able to go through winter craving less sugar in the darker months. So no, next time you eat something that's fatty and it might be, you know, having stuff like full fat, for instance, Greek yogurt, um, of not having full fat versions, you'll find when you have a full fat version of something that you might have had lower, you'll find there's a satisfaction about it that is is all body. It's very much kind of like gut to brain, grounding, satisfying, settling quality. And just to add a couple of food tips you know, coconut makes an incredibly good, slightly sweet snack that, again, really satisfies that soothing brain signal of having fat in. Yogurt is really satisfying and you can put healthy fruit in it to feel you've had a sweet treat. And even having more savoury, dense things like eggs, nuts, seeds, whenever you can snack on, really, really uh, useful so I hope that was of help. Do send any questions through on any uh, clarification that you would like on any points and enjoy. Enjoy.